you're now tuning in to the Here's the Deal podcast, covering today's biggest stories from the gridiron to the hardwood. Hosted by Michael D. White Jr. and David Coleman. I want to start off by, you know, definitely saying RIP to Nipsey Hussle. Sending condolences and prayers out to his family. I know they're going through a lot right now, and Nipsey was one of the realists, so definitely RIP to him. Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, definitely want to pay my respects to Nipsey Hussle, to him, his family, his two children. For those who don't know or are not involved in the rap world like that, he was shot and killed Sunday outside of Marathon Clothing, his store in South Los Angeles. And um, he wasn't just known as a a rapper, but an entrepreneur and an activist in his community, so... Definitely want to shout out Nipsey Hussle, RIP to him. I'm glad they caught the person who did this, and hopefully, you know, justice gets served. Yep, definitely. Um, I want to go, let's go ahead and start talking to the hoops, man, after, after that hard note. Let's go ahead and get straight into it. So, over the weekend, we had on um, March Madness um, continue. We had Sweet 16 and Elite Eight that happened. So, I want to start off by congratulating the people that made it to the Final Four. Um, we'll be watching that throughout this next weekend and keeping up to see who wins the national championship. We have Michigan State and Duke games. So that's the big talk of the weekend. What do you think about Duke losing? Do you think Zion should stay for another year and work his game with Coach K? Or do you think he should enter the draft? Well, first off, what do I think about them losing? It, it busted my bracket. My bracket's done officially. Duke is out. UNC's out. It, it hurt to see Michigan State win, but this was the game that I saw them losing if they were to lose in the tournament. Michigan State, Tom Inzo, Tom Izzo, whole team philosophy, great coach. I, I knew there was a certain chance that Duke could lose, but as far as Zion, should he stay for another run or declare for the NBA draft? I'm going to say yes. He, he should definitely declare for the draft, mainly because Tomorrow isn't promised. We saw the freak injury he had at UNC. We've seen people like Greg Oden's career get ended by injury, people like Brandon Roy. So I wouldn't risk it anymore. I know there's a brotherhood type of vibe there with R.J. Barry, but he probably gone too. So I definitely think Zion should leave. And another reason why is there's talks of him probably getting the biggest shoe deal of all time, possibly $100 million. Uh, so apparently Nike and Adidas and Puma and all these guys are fighting over a chance to keep him. So that by itself, a hundred million dollars yeah. shoe deal before you touch the NBA court, I'm leaving. Like LeBron had 87 million. They're about ready to offer this guy a hundred million. So mm. yeah, I, I'm out. I'm yeah, out. I, I couldn't agree more with you. You gotta, you gotta go at this point. With his game, the only thing that's going to help him is getting that professional type of like getting that professional de- development. Coach K can help him out a little bit, but he's not going to be able to become the player that we all think he can be without going into an NBA system. So I think you go now because um, if he stays, all they're going to do is try and poke holes in this game. His stock's never going to be higher than what it is now. So go ahead, get that money. Go ahead, get that shoe deal like you were saying. Go ahead, do all that and get that um, professional development that he needs to get. So I definitely don't think he should stay at all. So. Go ahead, go to the draft. Um, I'm going to ask you what you best fit if he does go into the draft. Um, some of the lower teams in the league would be the Knicks, the Hawks, um, the Grizzlies, just a couple teams out there, the Bulls. Who do you think would be the best fit for coming in the draft? Looking at the Knicks and the Suns and the Hawks and all those teams like that. So the first place I think he fits perfectly is the Knicks. And that's only if their offseason goes perfect. And that means picking up KD, picking up Kyrie. Now you add Zion Williamson. There's lots of pressure off the number one pick. You got KD, you got Kyrie there, and you're definitely going to gain playoff experience because that's a playoff team. When you put those three together, they got cap room. They got all that good stuff. I think the Knicks are his best option. My second option for him is the Hawks, the NBA's fastest team. They led the team in pace. You know, Zion's a guy who definitely get out on the wing and attack the basket. You can join Trey Young, a willing passer, fourth and assist in the league at seven. And then they got shooters all around in Atlanta, Torian Prince, Kevin Herter. So put Zion in there. You're going to have to send another person to stop him most of the time. If you don't, they can find a shooter with the Hawks. So I think the Hawks is a good fit for him. 
and him and John Collins would be the bounciest backcourt in the league. Yeah. That's Alley's all day long Trey Young to them too. So though in a far away third, I have Phoenix. Now I don't want to personally see anybody ever go to Phoenix, but at some point all these high picks have to pay off. So you join Devin Booker, you join DeAndre Eight, you try to create some court core there. You, he'd get plenty of touches because the Suns rank bottom three in terms of defensive and offensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. So he shot 68% from the field at Duke while attempting about 13 shots a game. That talent at some point has to pop, and adding somebody like Zion Williamson won't make them worse. So those are my three teams I think he's built for. What do you think? I think the dream fit for me is um, going to the Knicks. Like you said, they get Kyrie and um, KD. I think that would be just, you know, a great fit for him as far as getting playoff experience, being around some players that have already done it. Um, both of them have rings. Both of them, you know, have some type of experience that they can shed to Zion as far as working on his game and getting to that level that he needs to be in. Um, going to the Knicks is also just going to build his brand even more. Like going to a, a top, the top market in basketball. Like, that would just be a dream scenario for him. Um, so that would be my dream team. Um, I believe his best fit isn't the Knicks. I believe his best fit would be going to the Hawks, playing with Trey Young. I could just imagine Trey Young and Zion pick and roll at this point, and good luck picking who you want to stop. Um, if you double Trey Young off the screen, I got Zion rolling to the rim. You got to finish on one man. So that would be my best fit for him. Like you said, they got shooters around him. I think that would be his best fit also because he gets a chance to like actually have the ball in his hands. And I think he's he's good at working off the ball, but he, he'd be best when he's, you know, Sometimes initiating the offense, sometimes working through him and being with um, Katie and um, Kyrie, I just don't see it being the best uh, fit sometimes at certain points for his game long term. I also think the Bulls are a good fit for him as well because they just have a very solid team all the way. They got um, Mari, they got Wayne Sullivan, they also got Lavin as well. So yeah, they got a lot of young talent, and I think it'd just be good. For them having um maybe like a superstar they can go to because they're trying to find some, like who's gonna be a superstar at this point. Laurie's looking very good. Zach Levine's looking very good, but we're not sure if they're a number one uh, playoff and a championship team yet. So I think uh, if you go to the Bulls, we can see you know the reincarnation maybe Mike over there maybe reincarnate the Jumpman or something. I mean I think those would be my three teams. Three teams would be the Knicks, the Hawks, and Bulls would be the best as far as real long. So let me ask you, totally off script, where does where do you see Zion playing in the league? What position? What is his role on the floor? Where? How do you see his game translating over to the next level? Position wise, he's gonna have to play a small forward, power forward, and a small ball type of lineup. Um, Cause he's only six six, but obviously he has a ton of weight, so he's gonna be able to like hold his own in the post, I believe. Come on, once he gets to the NBA. So a lot of, I'd say, probably put him at power forward more than any. The way his game translates, I believe he's going to be great in transition. Um, offer If you put him in a lot of pick and rolls with a good point guard, anybody that can shoot, if they have to double-team a person with the ball, give design, he has to be one man. And he'll be able to muscle a lot of people in the day, not as much as he did in college, but I think he'll be successful in that type of role. Um, the only thing that I don't hope to translate is, is I believe yeah, he has zero pull up shots in college. Mm. So he has to develop that. Right? Once he develops that, then we're really looking at somebody that's truly going to do something special in the league. Yeah, he definitely needs to develop that nice little midi pick and pop range right around there because eventually guys are going to start playing into how he plays, which is to the left, if anybody didn't notice. But <laughs> anyway, but. Obviously, he'll get better, and that won't be the only thing. But, yeah, I, I think he reminds me of, like, a Larry Johnson type of body. You know, yeah. young Charles almost kind of freight train, but freakishly fast, can jump higher. I think mm-hmm. he'll fit best with a team like like the Hawks or someone who can run, like, really, really run. Yeah. I want to see him in New York with Kyrie and KD just for the wow factor, yeah. and it, that immediately yeah. puts Knicks, like, at the top of the talk on every show, but a team that gets out and runs, you get Zion on the wing. Not a lot of people are getting in front of him. Would you keep Zion or would you trade Zion if you're the Knicks and you have KD and Kyrie? Do you try and trade him for Anthony Davis or just anybody else out there? Who I'm trading him for is the question. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If it's Anthony Davis, would you trade him? <sighs> Man. The first not because you're basically guaranteed the first nine years of a player with the way the whole CBA is set up. Would you take the first nine years of Zion or would you take the risk of? 
maybe it's a one and done year with AD, or maybe you do get to keep him. I'm keeping Zion if I have KD and Kyrie. Okay, okay. So you played along, played along. I, I, I would agree. That I mean, that's just my opinion. I'm keeping Zion, and you know, I I have my different feelings about Anthony Davis. I, I don't doubt his talent. Sometimes I just you doubt. You put him at Kyrie and, and KD. They'll figure it out. They'll, they'll just, figure something out. In the East, they'll I mean, figure yeah, something they'll, out. They'll, they'll be good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they won't be good. Kyrie, KD, and Anthony Davis, you're going to the finals. You better be going the to the East, finals. Yeah, I just it's just me. I'm taking Zion with oh. that. I mean, I'm not saying he's better than Anthony Davis, so he's going to be. Right. A lot is riding on just I need to see him in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I need to see what he looks like yeah. with these men. He ain't playing with boys no more. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just really need to see that. and That'll that'll go a long way, especially his, his rookie season. Believe it or not, it's going to be very telling off the rip of how he's yeah. going to be able to handle the physicality on the NBA range and the size. So. Yeah, he's going to definitely have to develop his game, and um, that's going to be the telling part. The first year or two, he's going to have to develop that, like you said, the mid-range. He's going to develop somewhat of a pull-up jumper because they're not going to just let him, okay, spot up and just go straight to the rim, which was what he was doing a lot of times in college, either going straight to the rim or, you know, just spotting up and shooting a jump shot. It's not going to work if he's going to be the transcendent talent that we all think he can be. No, he, he's definitely – they're going to – he's going to get a lot of open shots because they're going <laughs> to – they're gonna make oh, him yeah. prove that NBA three different than college. Yeah. yeah, they're gonna make him prove he can hit that NBA three on a consistent level. So he's gonna see a lot of open shots. He's gonna get a lot of people sagging off him and sending him to the help. So I mean, granted, remember he's still young, so he has a lot of room for growth. But the NBA don't take long to catch on to people and figure out their tendencies. But he is a freak of nature. So mm-hmm. at, at at some point. Athlete, at this age where he's at right now, his athleticism can take over in times where maybe he doesn't have the technical skill work to, you know, overcome opponents. So I'm just eager to see him play, Yeah, honestly. Definitely. I, I love everything he's doing in college. He's going to be exciting. It's day one. Day one. Yeah. So let's transition to the Eastern Conference where Zion Williamson could be playing next year. But let's talk about the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Who's in, who's out? So I'm going to ask you, David, who do you think is going to get those final three spots in the Eastern Conference playoffs and why? All right, so just for context for people, right now it's the seeding is the Pistons, the Nets, the Heat, and the Magic on the outside looking out, outside looking in. They're a game and, game and a half behind the Pistons, so that just tells you how tight the race is between these four teams. Um, the three teams I believe are going to make it are the Pistons, the Nets, and I'm going to go with Miami. I still have faith in Dwayne Wade, one last dance. I believe the Magic have a very good team, but I don't see them pulling it together in order to make the playoff run, unfortunately. I think they have a very good team. Vucevic is having a great year, but I believe in Miami. I believe in Dwayne Wade. So they'll get that last spot, and the Pistons and Nets will get those six and seven seats. Okay, so... We're close. We're close. Our lists are close. Mine are a little different. So I'll start with the team I think is going to get the sixth seed, the Pistons. Um, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, they combine for 42 points a game, 23 rebounds. Mm, Like I told y'all, I think one of our first podcasts of this new season, I was wondering why they weren't in the playoffs. Now we find them in the playoffs. As soon as you said that, they started showing up. (laughs) They heard me. That's good. They got Reggie Jackson, Wayne Ellison, Luke Kennard. They got some players around Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. I think they'll hold on to that sixth seed and definitely be in the playoffs here. Definitely a nice step up from last year. Um, Next, I got the Nets making it. Um, They've been a surprise this year, carried by most improved candidate D'Angelo Russell, former Laker. That hurts. Um, I like the Nets. They have a balance attack, though. They have uh, six guys averaging in double figures, two players at nine points a game, so They've got a nice balanced attack, so I see them making the playoffs and ultimately making that push. They've got a nice young guys mixed with veterans like Jared Dudley and um, Damari Carroll. They've got, you know, obviously they have D'Lo and Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen. I really like roster top and bottom. My eighth seed, I'm sorry, D-Wade, I don't Uh have the Miami Heat making it simply because their schedule is I don't have it right in front of me, but I think they got 
toughest schedule left out of most of these teams. I got shout out to my boy Marlon Ely. I got the Orlando Magic sneaking in at the AC, led by Vucevic. How you say it? Vucevic? Yeah, Vucevic. Vucevic. <laughs> Forgive me for pronouncing your name wrong, but everybody else pronouncing his name right. He's playing extremely well yes, this year. Sir. Definitely in a contract year. He was an all-star. The Magic the team, though, they're top five in defense as far as points allowed. You got guys like Jonathan Ice, DJ Augustine, the veteran, shooting almost 40% from three-point range. They got Evan Fournier. So I think they have enough there to make – they got Aaron Gordon. Don't let me forget him. So I think they have enough there to sneak into that A spot. You have to play the Bucks, But, hey, let's see. I think they can sneak in there. They can, but – I'm. I'm going to go with my boy, Wade. I'm going to go with – I think he's still got something left in those knees. He yeah. definitely does. Um, if you see him night to night, he'll pull out a 20-plus twenty plus point game every now and then. He's not going to let them fall out that playoffs. So you want to play in a couple more playoffs games, you know, show people what he still has. I'm going to go with the champion, okay, because Magic, they're still a young team. I think they still have a lot to learn. They still need to find who's going to be on that team come in the future, and I don't think they're going to have enough experience come these next couple of games because they're going to be like playoff atmosphere type of games trying to fight for that playoff spot and I just don't think they're ready for that yet well we're definitely going to see I, I don't think it would be a surprise to anybody if the Heat snuck in there you know with a lot of I did say they have the toughest schedule left but you know we're at the end of the year these some of these harder teams are resting their better players you never know what could happen especially with the Heat team playing for playoff chances so the Miami Heat are definitely a team to watch out for. But with that being said, let's use that to segue over to the Western Conference, and let's talk about everybody's favorite player, LeBron James. Wow. So LeBron James was officially shut down for the rest of the year. So I ask you, was this a smart move by the Lakers, or do you have a problem with him shutting it down this early? And what are your thoughts? I believe he should have been shut down a while ago, actually, um, against the Suns. I believe that's when they should have shut him down. Obviously, you don't want to make your season ticket holders, being the Lakers franchise, you don't want to make them upset. You want to make them come back next year, have something to look forward to, and finish out this year, being that there's not going to be any playoff games they're going to see. Let's finish out the year and see LeBron. So I understand that side of it. But from a basketball perspective, it just makes sense to tell LeBron. He's gone through this injury throughout the season. Going into next year, you don't want to have any lingering injuries. You want him to be 100%. He hasn't had any rest in over a decade, it feels like. He's been playing deep into the playoffs, damn near his whole career. So I think it's smart that they did shut him down. I believe they should have shut him down a while ago, but glad that they did it. These next six games aren't going to mean anything. Yeah, so that's what I got. Um, yeah, as a Laker fan, um, to be honest, I have no issues with him with them shutting him down. Like you said, it's only six games left. So what's the point? Now, I know you said they should have shut him down earlier. I Myself, as a Laker fan, I had no problem with him playing. Why? He's been under a lot of fire recently, Lacey, about his leadership and how he is with his teammates and trying hard on defense. And we'll get into that in a second. But I think him out there playing, showing support for his other teammates, I think that was good for a while. Now we're down to six games. We're officially eliminated. It's not just, you know, you know, we're basically eliminated. We're mathematically eliminated now officially. I, I have no problem with him. It's only six games left. And like you said, it's his first break in almost a decade. Eight, definitely NBA season. He's been to the finals eight straight years. So I like this for us as a Lakers fan. Like, yes, the season didn't go as planned, but now he can get that rest he hasn't gotten in a while. He's rejuvenated for next season. I think he's going to have an MVP caliber season again next year. Okay, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, get ready for that um, free agency coming up. That's what's important now. Getting ready, trying to bring up, recruit somebody into L.A. for this coming season so he can actually compete, do something in the playoffs, and just go from there right now. Yeah, it's it's an important offseason for the Lakers and for LeBron James, too. So with that, let's talk about the players-only meeting that the Lakers was reportedly had in February by David McMenamin from ESPN. He, LeBron was called out for his body language during games and, you know, the side eyes and the glance and all the things I was talking about when I was like, his leadership has been in question. So my question for you is, can he restore that trust of his teammates at all for next year? Because I feel like some of these guys are going to be here next year. I don't think they're all going to be gone. So can he restore that trust that he may have lost with them? 
I think that he can store that trust. Um, being that they're young players, they're going to be open to seeing how the business does go. They're starting to understand that the NBA is a business. They're not always going to be highly coveted the way they've been up to this point. A lot of these players have been superstars on their team. Lonzo, he was a superstar up to this point. He was the most important player up to this point. Brandon Ingram as well, Kyle Kuzma, a lot, a lot of these players. Now they're starting to see that, okay, they're like it's a business. We have to... We can't be in our feelings just because our names are trade rumors. So I think coming into this next season, having that players-only meeting, it says a lot about the young players. They're not afraid to speak their mind. They're not going to just let LeBron do whatever and it just you know just not say anything about it. Because in past teams, I don't think we ever heard anything about a players-only meeting being held about LeBron. So it says a lot about them and what they'll allow for him to do you know, going forward. I think for LeBron, it says that he needs to continue to develop as a leader being that he's been a good leader to this point, but there are things that he always has to keep working on. He can't always just stay the same person he was last year. He has to continue to develop. Obviously, your skills on the court, they speak for themselves, but when it comes to, you know, um, putting together a team and leading a team, you have to continue to work on that skill. It doesn't just come over overnight and it doesn't ever stop. You just continue to work on it. So, so I, think I think he can he can gain their trust. If they're open to gaining his trust, they want to play for LeBron. If you ask LeBron that team, I'm pretty sure they all say, I love playing with LeBron and I want to continue to play with LeBron. So I think they're open to, like, forgiving him and he's open to, you know, changing the way he's, he's done business in the past and starting to be a little more sensitive with the young players and starting to actually take them under his wing and show them the ways of how he built his empire, how he became such a great player. I think that's what he's starting going on to the next. Yeah, I agree. And just to piggyback off of that, these players are young. A lot of these players, like we know for a fact, Lonzo Ball has stated, yeah, LeBron was my favorite player growing up. So when you're on the court and you do the things you do in front of these players who not only respect you, but looked up to you growing up and based their game off of you almost to a certain extent, yeah, it's going to bother them. So can he restore the trust that the teammates had? I think, yes, it's going to take a little time. But ultimately, I think, it's LeBron's responsibility to regain that trust. While he may not have been the sole reason for the Anthony Davis trade, you know, you hear rumors about, was it Rich Paul? Was it LeBron? Was it Magic? Ultimately, at the end of the day, they know he's connected to Rich Paul. So he had some part in that, you know. So I think it's going to take a little while to gain their trust. But I think LeBron is going to do it. And these players, like you said, have to understand that this is a business. This is how the NBA goes. Yes, it sucks to hear your name in trade rumors that you could be getting shipped off to New Orleans from L.A. Just imagine the lifestyle switch. But it's something you have to work on. And like LeBron said, this is something he's been working on his whole career to improve his body language, improve the way he talks to his teammates, things of that nature. Now, like like you said, we've never heard LeBron is a bad teammate, and I'm not sitting here saying that that's what he's been this year. It's just been certain moments that didn't look good, especially when the team is losing. Like, if we were winning, if, if everybody was healthy, we were winning in the playoffs, probably wouldn't even be talking about this, but it just doesn't help. It's, it's all about imagery at the end of the day. It's a bad look for LeBron to do these type of things on the court, to shun younger players. You're already losing. You're out of the playoffs. You're 27-28 you're with LeBron in the lineup. Like I was saying, to go back to the question, does I think he'll restore that trust with the teammates? I think he will. I think this offseason is very important as LeBron as a player, as a leader, and as a recruiter for the Lakers. So we'll see what happens this summer. Ultimately, I think some of these young players are going to stay. So he's going to have to build that trust back up with them again. Yeah, got to. Got to. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, Devin Booker. So over the last three games, he's had 59 points, 50 points, 48 points. Unfortunately, all three of those games have come in losses. Mm. I'd asked you throughout the week, what were your thoughts of Devin Booker? You had said he's a good player on a bad team. So that was before he started going off of these games. So that just kind of confirmed everything you have been saying. So I wanted to ask you. Just signed his extension last year. He signed throughout the 2023-24 season. So, do you think he should try and stay with the team and try and build you know, a dynasty there with sons or something like that? Or do you think he should demand a trade and try and go somewhere else? Well, like I said when I was talking about Zion earlier, no one wants to go to the Suns. So, if 
if I'm advising Devin Booker, I'm advising him to leave. I, I don't want to be in Phoenix. I wouldn't want to be there. I think he should stay there for, I mean, he has no choice. He's under contract. I think he should hold, hold put for another year. See what happens in this draft because they're going to get a very talented young player. See how Aiton progresses in another year. Josh Jackson, some of these other young guys, and then kind of see where it goes. Is there is there improvement? Is this team making a step? Can we go from a what are they like a twenty? Have they won twenty games? No, no, I'm, no, not there yet. <laughs> can they even? Can they get twenty wins? Can they get twenty five? Can they get thirty? Can they get thirty five? Right. You know, if you never know, Phoenix might mess around. Get the number one pick, add Zion, and now everything's changed. Now, all of a sudden, you may not be a contender competing with the Warriors, but now you're on a playoff. At least Mm. maybe you're looking at it or it's in, you know, grabbable distance. So, man, it's tough to stay. I think he should tough it out for another year. But ultimately, staying in Phoenix, I just don't see it, man. I just don't see you winning a championship there. I don't see none of that. Look, the best player Devin Booker's played with since he's been in Phoenix has been Ooh, Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. So that just shows you the type of talent that not nothing against Eric Bledsoe, but I'm just saying that's the best player he's ever played mm-hmm. with. So man, it's it's tough. And I know they paid him and he wants to stay there, but I would say give it another year or two, see what happens. And if they're not moving in the direction you think the franchise should be moving, then request the trade. I couldn't agree more. Um the way I see it is he's gonna have to he's gonna have to wait at least Two or three years. He's going to have to wait that out because he just signed his extension, like I said, signed through 2024. The Usually the way we see these things play out is Anthony Davis has kind of been a special situation and it's been a year ahead of what we usually see. Usually people players wait till the year of and then they demand their trade. So with Devin Booker, if he was the man to trade the next two years, it'd be something that we haven't seen before. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think he's going to have to wait at least two or three years. Like you said, they can make the playoffs, start making some steps towards, you know, showing that they can build a team around them, showing that they can build an actual contender, then consider staying, consider, you know, um, just building with DeAndre Ayton, whoever they pick, this draft pick they get to this year, Kelly Ubi, those will be their core going forward. And I think what they need to do is they have to start from the front office with the Suns organization because a lot of things that they do just aren't, what normal NBA teams do, and I'm pretty sure Devin Booker knows notices that. Looking at looking at the rest of the league, um, I was watching on the jump the other day. Um, I can't remember his name, but he uh, he's the um, GM for the Suns, and he was saying that they don't have masseuse on the team, so things like that. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. He was saying that the team doesn't even have things that you expect in 2019. So with that being said, they have to change the way they do. Things. They have to change. Maybe the GM, the coach, something like that. You know, I think they did just change most of those things. So give them a couple, look like a year or two more. But if they want Devin Booker to say they have to start, you know, making that ball turn and actually start putting a contender around. Because since he's been in the league, he hasn't, like you said, he had air blood so they've been around. Nothing against him, but he's just not starting to play like air blood so we thought he would play like from being around Giannis. But they have to get more talent around him also. So like maybe if they get John Morant instead of Zion, I think that may. They may actually put them into you know winning a lot more games because if they add Zion, it'd be an interesting fit. But I think John Morant would be a better fit. You know, just came off of let them kind of go back to that shooting guard position because they're playing a lot of point guard right now. But if they move him to the shooting guard and they have John Morant, they're gonna have a let him play that shooting guard role and let him do what James Harden is kind of doing. Just go out there and score and go out there. Get your 50, but we can actually win because we have a point guard that can control the game and we're trying to get more talent around. They got to get more better vets. Right, yeah. I, I would have no problem with John Morant going to Phoenix. I think that's where he's most needed. They need a point guard. There was talks about they were interested in Lonzo Ball at one point. They really need a point guard. They really need somebody who can run the show. They, Like you said, they moved Devin Booker to that position. And Not saying he hasn't done an okay job, but I mean, like we said, they're not even a 20-win team. So getting a good point guard in there to go along with Devin Booker, getting somebody to go along with, you got a beast down in the paint, DeAndre Ayton. I think those are all good steps. But like you said, it, it starts with the front office. And if the front office, just like my Lakers, if the front office don't put the right pieces 
on the team, don't take the time to do the right scouting and figuring out what needs to happen, then ultimately it's a trickle down effect. You know, if your front office isn't good, how can you expect your team to be good? You know, it's not like ownership. That's a little bit separate. Front office is actually the reason why your team looks the way it does. So, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. All right. So throughout the week, we had some tragic news. Yusuf Nurkic, he had broke his leg. Did you see that at all? I did see it. It was disgusting. Did you hear it? I did hear it. And it oh was like, God. you know, like when you see something nasty and you like just got to keep looking at it. It was like yeah. one of those moments where I kept playing the video and it was it was sad. It was, it was horrible. Bad, man. It was bad. Yeah. So he had broke his leg over the week. Um, If you haven't seen it, I'd suggest not seeing it. Um, Just know that he did break his leg. It's looking like he probably won't be back. Oh, no. he No, no, no. no. He's not going <laughs> to be back. Maybe even... Done. After next year, after, <laughs> maybe even like late or after next season. So prayers up to him. Hope he gets, you know, recovers as soon as possible and everything goes well in his rehab. Um, how do you think the Blazers make out after this injury? Um, CJ, he should be coming back from his injury soon. And obviously, Nekic is out throughout the playoffs. How do you think they'll fare in the playoffs? Do you think they'll get out of the first round? I think this is another year of the Portland Trail Blazers. And I think last year they lost him before the playoffs and we – then they lose. Then we saw what happened to them against the Pelicans in the first round. They got swept. So this is just another year that Dame doesn't have all his weapons, and we're gonna. The Blazers are gonna probably suffer because of it. I'm, I'm not looking at the standings right now. I don't know who they'd be playing in the first round. What are they like the three seed right now? They're the four seed. I believe they're playing the Utah Jazz right now. They'd be playing the Utah Jazz, and that's tough. Like the the Blazers were only ranked 16th in defensive efficiency, so Losing their starting seven-footer center, I don't think helps. You move in his cancer to the starting lineup, who can score, who's a beast on the boards, but let's, let's be honest, he, he doesn't guard nearly as well as Nurkic can. So I can score on Kent. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm willing to bet some money. I, give me a couple possessions against Kansas. I, I think I can rattle off. What are we going to seven? I can rattle off five. I, I can get five on him. Yeah. Get five on him. But, yeah, I, I think ultimately – this is going to be a piece that hurts them going forward in the playoffs. And in the West, it's not only about who's the best, it's also who's about who's healthy, you know. And unfortunately, this injury happened to him, and, you know, I'm praying for a, a, a speedy recovery for him. But, yeah, I think this is going to hurt the Blazers, and I think they might get knocked out very early, if not the first round, definitely the second round. But, hey, you never know. We'll see what Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum can do, you know. It's another year they got more experience under their belt. Maybe, you know, maybe they pull it off like that series against Houston. Sorry about that. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that's 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 gone in the past. Now. It's gone in the past now. But um, as far as the Trailblazers coming in the first round, I believe if they play the Utah Jazz or the Clippers, because that's what it's looking like they're probably play right now. Looking at the standings, <laughs> it's looking like the Thunder and they the want Spurs. the Clippers. That's what they want. They yeah, want the they Clippers. do want the Clippers, but. If they play either of those teams, I'm putting all my pressure on Dame. It's one. It's time for him to prove himself. He's not going against Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis this year. Obviously, getting swept last year that kind of turned everybody off on Dame. But he's having a great year this year. Make it translate in the playoffs. Be that player that we saw because he's one of those players people don't talk about it. But he has not shown up in the playoffs. He does very bad, very bad to say the least. He does worse than Harden, and you know how much crap people give James Harden. So. I'm putting all my pressure on him. CJ showed up last year. Dane didn't show up. Get, he should be able to get past the Utah Jazz and the Clippers. Utah Jazz like that seven, second score. That's why I think they need to go out there and get these next couple of years. Um, the Clippers just like a superstar. And simple as that. I believe having Damian Lillard, having a healthy CJ, y'all got to get through that series. You got to get to the next round. If y'all want to stay together, if you don't want to break up the team, you have to go ahead, take those steps, say that you, so that you can actually win a couple of series and build. Say that okay, if we had Nurkic, maybe we could win in the second round. Obviously, going into the second round, they'll be playing you know better team, probably a healthy team. So I wouldn't instruct them to get past the second round, but they should be able to get past the first round playing against Utah Jazz with LA. So let me ask you: When you think about Damian Lillard and you think about how good he is and how he's played in the playoffs. Do you blame his playoff success on him or do you blame it on the talent put around him? 
what has been the wrench in him not excelling in the playoffs? I believe it's been a mixture of both. It's been sometimes he hasn't shown up to be the best Damian Lillard that we know him to be. And also, there have been times where he does need, they do need a wing. I'll say that. They definitely need a small forward that can go out there and just play solid minutes, get us some points when Damian Lillard and CJ aren't out there, play some solid defense. They have defenders. It's just their wings have not been able to score. They don't score unless somebody creates them. Alfred Amina, um, Mo Heartless, they're not scoring unless CJ or Dame are creating for them. So I believe it's been a mixture of both. We've seen when Dame had – he had a squad with him. He had LaMarcus Aldridge. He had Nicholas Batum, Wesley Matt. He had a very good team around they were able to, like you said, they were able to beat the Rockets in those type of series. But I don't believe they ever made it to a Western Conference Finals for a team like that. So he's had talent, but he has never been, you know, breakthrough and make that Western Conference Finals. So kind of looking at a Chris Paul situation somewhat. But I'm a, this year I'm going to put it on Dame. I'm going to put it on Dame this year. You got to show up. got to show up. Yeah, just thinking about the team he's had around. They did have that team with LaMarcus Aldridge and – Batum, even though now it's looking like he was overpaid for, for that contract, <laughs> yeah. but there has been some talent there. I just overall think the West is too good, you know, for the talent he's had on it. Like now, you have him, you have um, McCollum, you had Nurchik, but you know, Nurkic, he's out, he's done. So it's like, who do you go to when you can just hone in on those two guys on that team? You go to Seth Curry, you go to Evan Turner. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, these are your options. And when you uh, yeah. look at it, I'm not gonna they, I'm not gonna hold Dame too accountable just because yeah. when you look at some of these other teams, like the Warriors, obviously, but even the Rockets, but also there is ways you can look at this on Dame. You know, look at a guy like James Harden. You know, they did beat Houston that one year, but you've seen what he can do for his team and carry them. And, you know, there's a lot of questions about him in the playoffs. And ultimately, that's what we're talking about. But at some point, if you consider yourself a player in that top realm, like I'm sure Damian Lillard does, yeah. and definitely de- deservedly so, you got to start winning these games. You know, yeah. after a while, the excuse of talent runs thin and it's just more, okay, so why didn't you get your team over the hump if you're that guy? So I, I don't hold it too much against him because I know ultimately it's a team game. Mm-hmm. But in the years to come, you know, we're going to have to start seeing something from him or we're going to have to start putting him in that realm of these great yeah. players that were really good but could just never get over the hump. You know what I mean? The only thing I don't want to do with Dame is I don't want to run him out of Portland because he's he's on that loyalty wave. And we don't see that a lot of, day, a lot of times from these players nowadays. So I don't want to run him out of – Portland because they can't get the talent around him, being that that's not, you know, the biggest market. It's not the most glamorous team. So I want him to stay there. I want him to, you know, continue to be Dane. Don't let anybody tell you to do nothing else. But I do need to see you perform better in these playoffs. If you're going to do the loyalty thing, I need you to be that superstar player that can um, show that you're, that you can carry a team at least to a couple of playoffs. Um, so over last week, the Warriors have played the Timberwolves, and there was a uh, sequence at the end of the game where they started getting into it with rest. So KD had stepped out of bounds, he hit a three, and they had called it. They had called it down. Warriors were happy about that. Then the next possession comes down. Steph comes up, comes down. He's in the corner. He's a step back field with somebody, and he's running down the court, and the whole team is pointing at a ref. And I've never seen anything like it. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I don't know how to explain it. I can say that if it's any other team, it would not have been like that. There would have been a lot of texts on the floor. They would not have been rocking like that. It would have been the end of the game. So after that um, whole sequence, KD got called for a foul. Yeah, and pushed, um, I can't believe it. It was Carl Towns. Yeah, pushed Carl Towns in the back. He comes down, he throws. The Timberwolves won the game, the Warriors go. They end up going back to the locker room. They're tweeting about the rest. Um, today we just found out Steph got fine, Draymond got fine, and KD got fine for their tweets about criticism of the referees. But what do you think about this whole Warriors versus the refs saga? Do you think it's going to have any effect on them come playoffs sometimes? Do you think the refs are actually going to start calling those moving screens that they, you know, you know, so notorious for having? What do you think is going to happen? 
Uh, well, first off, I think this was just a little example of the Warriors flexing a championship muscle. You know, a lot of people already have their, like, the one thing, you know, Steph Curry's a well-liked player in all the NBA, but from his few negative fans, I see one of the things they like to say is, oh, yeah, he's a fake nice guy, blah, blah, blah. They only treat him like this because he light skin, which is probably true. I'm, I look, <laughs> but nah. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just the Warriors flexing they Warriors muscle. They feel like, you know. They can almost get away with most stuff or actually, honestly, it's not even that they feel like they can get away with it. I just really think they genuinely don't care what happens. Um, horrible call mm-hmm. at the end of the yeah. game. The refs should never be the one to decide the game at the end of the day. It, w- it was just one of them nights. I don't think this is going to affect them going forward. Draymond, you know, he's the only guy I really worry about yeah. when it comes to the reps and DeMarcus Cousins to a lesser degree. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to affect them going forward. I think in the playoffs, you'll see them more composed unless some crazy stuff happens like this and ends up ultimately causing them a championship. But, nah, I, th- I think they'll be all right. Yeah, when it comes to the refs and Katie and Draymond, I think it's kind of expected. This isn't anything out of the norm for them. But when it comes from Seth... It's yeah. different because you we don't ever see him saying anything about the rest. He's usually pretty quiet. He usually, you know, just goes out there for the most part. He does have a few fans that you know, seek him for all the celebrations he does. Him pointing at a rep is definitely out of character. I don't think we would ever saw that with anybody else. You um, seen him do the little, the little. The, he did hit the Russell. Yeah, the you, nah, the, the balls jank. You, oh, you see. seen him do it. It's all right. <laughs> Steph yeah, be getting away. Yeah. He just be doing it on the slide. He I, threw his yeah. mouthpiece at the ref. Yeah, yeah, he's got a couple notches on his belt. Yeah, I don't think the uh, ref saw them, him actually pointing at them because if they did, he would have got a tech for that. Because there's no way a ref is gonna let you show them up like that. There's been a you know a point of emphasis these last few years. They're not gonna let you you know disrespect them out there on the court like I'm that. I'm definitely taking Steph up. As soon as he pointed, <laughs> I'm taking him. Up. I'm throwing him out. I don't care. Throwing him out. Get out of here. You gotta go. But I think. It will it will mean a little bit come playoff times, but at the end of the day, you're gonna have the best rest in the um, series. They're not gonna let it affect too much um, how they ref the game. They're gonna ref it the right way. They're not gonna you know tamper with the game at all. That's why I come playoff time. So I mean, it's money well spent when it comes to the Warriors. Um, so another thing with the Warriors, Steph had um he went down his list of his personal top five all time. He said MJ, Wilt, LeBron, Shaq, and Magic Johnson. What do you think about this list? Do you think he had left anybody off? Yeah, I mean, it's a good list. He was asked just randomly on the spot, so he gave his answer. Um, He left out Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'd probably put him in that top five in place of Shaq. Um, Five rings, two with the big O. Also, my next person he forgot the big old Oscar Robinson, the original Mr. Triple-Double. Those are just two players. Overall, I don't have a problem with his list. Yeah, I don't have a problem with this list. MJ, LeBron, Wilt, Shaq, and who was the fifth person? Magic. And Magic. No, I don't have a problem with his list. I think I would have Kareem in there in place of Shaq. Maybe Big O in place of Wilt, maybe. But no, ultimately, I don't have a problem. My list is something like, I've been working on my top five list. I've been trying to get it right. My list is looking like MJ1, I think I'm going Kareem 2, LeBron 3. Ah, I'm, I'm still messing around with it. I got to get my list. Don't talk about my list. Get my list straight, okay? Don't talk about my list. I'm getting it straight. But, um, yeah, I, I have no problem with Steph Curry's list. Ass on the spot. He might be in the top five one day, so I think he has plenty of room to talk if he wants to. So, yeah, no problems here. Oh, yeah, I got my top five list. I'm not going to give it to y'all now, but I definitely got my top five list. You got it. The only way I'm adjusting is LeBron these these days. That's the only all right, place. All right, all right, give us your number. You can't say I got a list, but I ain't gonna say. I, I, I give us your number three. Way, who's who's that number way. three on your list? My number three is LeBron. Oh, okay, okay. I gotta hear. I gotta hear number two now. <laughs> no, no, no. no that's content. We'll save it. We'll say that. We'll say that. But um, with um, Stastis, um, like you said, I'm not mad at it. MJ deserving, obviously. Will. Can't really say anything. He's he has his own record book. He, he is what he is. He's Wilt Chamberlain. LeBron, obviously, best of our generation at this point. Shaq, he's you know a great player. 
I don't believe he's top five, but I'm not mad at it. Magic as well. Top five, I don't think so, but I'm not mad at that at all. Um, I believe Kareem, somebody he left off, and Kobe and Tim Duncan could have got in there somewhere. But hey, yeah. look. I'm never going to argue with somebody who says Kobe should be there. I'm not going to argue why he should, but I will argue with you. I will not argue with you if you say he is there. So, yeah, I respect that. I, I, he definitely left Kareem. Kobe and Tim could have put in there somewhere else. With the Warriors, um, some more drama coming out there. You know, the NBA's best soap opera. So, Jordan Bell had some mysterious <laughs> hotel charges using the assistant coach Mike Brown's card. We don't know. They said that it was just you know, something, some type of prank that went wrong. They're not going to leave any details. What do you think could have possibly happened with those credit cards that you from Mike Brown? Hey, look, man. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Jordan saw an opportunity and he ceased. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say on the matter. Look, man. Hey. That's Hilarious. It's some lonely nights on the roads as an NBA player. Hey, look, man. 82 games. You know, if I got the back-to-back. Yeah, you on the road for all of them. You can't always be on the prowl. Like, you can't can't always be on the prowl. Like, there's got to be some nights where you be like, man, you know what? But, hey, look. He he did what he did. He got suspended for a game. Um, I don't want to get into what he purchased. He could have bought a Kendall. He could have bought a Kindle, got some reading in, some literature, something like that. Had a nice, calm night, right? Yeah, lit some candles, whatever. Turned on, I don't know, Scissor's album. Just relaxed or something. I, I don't know what he did, but I, I'm not going to jump to conclusions, okay? <laughs> the Warriors, man. But with that, let's transition out of the NBA. We're done with the NBA. Let's talk a little NFL. So... Kyle Murray, supposed to be the number one pick. I'm going to ask you, as the Arizona Cardinals, are you drafting Kyle Murray first, and why? I would draft Kyler Murray first. He'd be my first pick if I was the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I'm a, Why am I going to draft him first is because he's the best quarterback in the draft, first of all. Okay. I believe we just saw what he did at Oklahoma. We saw him play against Alabama. That's always a good way to judge talent when they come into the league, how they play against Alabama. Obviously, you know, sometimes it does waver. You see Johnny Menzel, he plays good against Alabama. But I believe Kyler Murray, he's a different beast. He's the best dual threat that we've seen in a while. Obviously, we've seen a lot of them these last few years. I believe he is one of the best. The only questions I have about him are his height. But come NFL, I don't believe that's going to be a huge issue for him. Just the way he plays, he gets out of the pocket. He's a smart player. He throws the ball very great. That's what I don't think is getting enough um, you know, talk. He, he throws a very tight spiral. He has the power. He has all the attributes you look for in a you know, franchise quarterback. So I would definitely take him first. The only thing I'm going to have to do if I am the Cardinals, I'm going to have to ship off uh, Josh Rosen. I'm going to have to get off his lineman. Having Kyle Murray and, like I said, that whole height thing, I can't have a smaller quarterback getting hit. And, you know, it's setting the franchise back. So I need to keep him healthy. So I'm going to trade Josh Rosen. I'm going to get either offensive line help or an exceptional offensive weapon, something that can help him either running back or a wide receiver that can get open pretty quickly. So I'll get the ball out of his hands, keep him upright, and just have, you know, successful rookie year, get some more talent up with, uh, get some more talent around him through free agency and through the draft. So I'm definitely taking Um, Yeah, I think I'm going to go with him first, too. I agree with you. Just adding a player with that type of offensive arsenal to your team instantly makes you better. He can throw on the run. He has a fast delivery. He's accurate, short, intermediate, long. He, Baker Mayfield, he like kind of like Baker Mayfield. He'll yeah. take chances down the field. He can escape the pocket. Another reason I would get him for if I'm the Cardinals, I'm getting him because I mean Arizona was last in total offense last year, last in part pass offense, last in yards per pass attempt, bottom three in passing touchdown. So obviously they need a spark somewhere. You take Kyle Murray, combine him with David Johnson, who gets another year on his belt, another year healthier coming back from that ACL tear. Larry Fitzgerald down the youth. They got some, <laughs> they got some guys. They got JJ Nelson, um, Gresham, I believe, the tight end. So They've got a couple little pieces in here, but I, I do agree with you. You need to make sure that offensive line is good. 
He's a smaller guy, smaller frame. Don't want him out there getting hurt. That's probably my only concern with him. But I'm not like some of these guys who don't like short quarterbacks. You know, it 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 varies, right? You see Drew Brees, you see Russell Wilson. They're all successful, so it does vary. If if you got the talent, you got the talent. You know, Mm -hmm. and the height the height won't matter. You'll make up for it the way you know how, and that's instincts at the end of the day. So, yeah, Josh Rosen. Granted, he was just a rookie, but this this might be a once-in-a-lifetime type of player mm-hmm. or yes. a franchise-altering type of player. And I feel like Josh Rosen, even though that Kyle Murray is still going to take some years to develop, blah, 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 and all that good stuff, but I feel like Josh Rosen is more of a project right mm-hmm. now. I, I if believe he, he played 14 games, 11 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, something mm-hmm. along that yeah. line. But I don't think you're going to see that. And with the success of Lamar Jackson in the playoffs last year, a running athletic type of quarterback, and he's a better thrower of the ball than Lamar Jackson, I believe. So I think I think he'll secure excel, <laughs> and um, him going to the Cardinals would be a good move. Yeah, um, like you said, Josh Rosen, he's somewhat of a project. I've seen there were rumors about the Chargers trying to trade for him, the Patriots and the Giants. I believe if he goes to any of those teams, they'd be a good fit for him. You give him a year or two to kind of sit, learn from a veteran, you know, from Philip, Eli, or Tom Brady. If the Patriots are trying to trade for you, that definitely says something about you. They see something in you. And I would not go against anything Bill Belichick tries to do on the football field. So that's definitely a good sign for Josh Rosen. I believe he does need a change of scenery. And if I'm the Cardinals, I'm going to go with Kyler Murray. If I'm Kyler Murray, though, I would not agree with that big baseball money. They're giving out five baseball money. <laughs> they're giving out five hundred million dollar contracts. I need if I'm if I'm Kyler Murray, but when you're so great at something, I guess you know you pick whatever sport you want. You see Charlie Ward, just for example, he had the whole basketball and football. He was a Heisman candidate, but he ended up going with um he was a Heisman. I'm sorry, not a candidate, but an actual Heisman Trophy winner, and ended up going with ba- basketball. You see Russell Wilson and Colin Kaepernick. They had the whole baseball and base baseball and uh, football thing going. They end up choosing football. So when you're that great, I guess you choose whichever sport you know you love more, whichever one somewhat you think you'll be most successful in. So I understand why he is choosing football, but they're giving out those five hundred million dollar contracts. I'm about to go with baseball, my boy. Yeah, but <laughs> Bryce Harper getting booed on opening night, but when he went home that night and looked at his bank account, he was like, "Hey, yo, I'm good. <laughs> not too bad, right? <laughs> you know, they booed me. So what? I'm good. I'm not. I'm not even tripping off of it." <laughs> But let's move on to something that's been a little controversial as of late, the new pass interference rule in the NBA. I mean, excuse me, the NFL. So just in case you're not up to date, uh, NFL owners voted last Tuesday at the league meeting in Phoenix. And the rule is now to allow offensive and defensive pass interference penalties, including non-calls, to be subject to challenge and replay review. For the 2019 season, coaches can challenge any flags or missed penalties until the final two minutes when such instances are subject to booth review only. So with this new rule in place, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Do you stop? Do you like this rule? How does it go for you? What do you feel about that? I believe it's a needed rule because the refs do miss a lot of things on the field, um, especially when it comes to pass interference. There's a lot of times that you see it and you're like, uh, ref, call something. Don't just, you know, just don't just sit there. Throw your flag out. Call either offense or defensive pass interference. It does have to go both ways. Don't, you know, make it just a defensive pass interference type of rule. I need the offensive pass interference to be called just as much. The only thing is going to get tricky when they're doing Hail Marys, things like that. Um, obviously, you're gonna have people complaining because a lot of times they're not gonna want to go to replay and put somebody at the one yard line because of a defensive pass interference, and you got people pushing off on offense just as much. So go both ways. I think we're gonna see a lot more challenges come this next year. The coaches are gonna be using every challenge flag now because every other play you have some type of holding or pass interference. So it's gonna be a lot of stoppage of play in the game. Something they're gonna have to figure out. I believe they need to have a solution would be either having a ref in the box that's already you know looking at the place a lot of time. The on-field ref goes over there. He knows exactly you know what he's looking at and the call they make. Make it real quick. Not waiting for these games to be six hours long. They're already you know one to four on Sundays. So 
you don't want these games being too long. A lot of people don't, you know, want to watch a whole bunch of replays. Also, they send it to New York. Well, have you know somebody does the these game, have them call in. This is the way the call is gonna go. Let's keep the game. That's the only way I think it's going faster and rule not too much of the hitters on the floor of the game. Yeah, definitely. If if you're an NFL fan and you watch football, Sundays are definitely a commitment. <laughs> To say the least, you're definitely glued from the TV to a one. And if, if you're a real football uh, <laughs> uh, fan, you're glued to the TV from one until sometimes 11 at night at yeah. times. So, yeah, um, my overall view of this rule, there's positives and negatives. Ultimately, more challenges means longer wait times, longer games, extended times. Sometimes guys be ready to move on. But the positive about that is, you know, no more phantom calls, you know, mm-hmm. no more things of that nature. No more like in the game calls a ref because the refs are human, too. You yeah. know what I'm saying? They, they, they can't catch everything. They, they won't catch everything. And, you know, they're the best in the business at where they're at on their level. So, you know, they are trying their best. So now maybe the ref doesn't see your best wide receiver. Well, he should catch your best wide receiver. (laughs) Maybe your ref doesn't see that slot guy get open downfield because he did get pass interference because he was over here looking at Odell Beckham Jr. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So you could throw that flag, get the right play called, and, you know, hopefully it doesn't cost you a game. So I think it's going to take a little time to get used to, as with anything new. But I think ultimately the fans are going to like this rule because if if you're on the other side of it, like Mm – your guy got pass interference yeah. or vice versa. You're going to want that call yeah. called. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You're going to want the ref to take that mm-hmm. time to look at it. So me, I just think it's going to take a little time for us to get used to it. We might have some times where we're like, man, I wish this game would hurry up. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you want to, you want the refs to get the call right. You know why? Because you don't want, at, at the end of the day, the game to be decided by the refs. You want it to be decided mm-hmm. by the player. So if a player offensive interferences to get open i want that called i want the ref to see that as the fans of the defense you know yeah. what i mean so i think this rule is a good step in the right direction for the nfl yeah i'm the only thing it does open is that black hole of okay now let's add holding into the challenge and that's really going to get crazy if they do that yeah. so i don't want to see that um we did have one retirement in the nfl yeah the retirement of Aaron Rodgers' favorite weapon <sighs> nelson you know, seeing any, you know, thank yous out, you know, being a longtime Packers fan. <sighs> man, I just want to thank Jordy Nelson for all those years in Green Bay, man. The Super Bowl win where he went nuts. Over the years, he became our most reliable target, period. The back shoulder, all that. Jordy Nelson always knew where to be on the field at all times. It was like when I saw that, I was really sad. When I was like, well, Jordy Nelson's retiring. You ain't want to. We ain't reach out. We ain't give him no one year. Out of a one day. Hey, one day. We ain't give him nothing. Like, so I think the Packers will do right if this is something permanent retirement. Because, you know, he could pull a Brett Favre on us. Be like, nah, I'll come back. Who want to sign me? But if it is, I I think the Packers will do the right thing. I think he definitely deserves some recognition for his time in Green Bay. Definitely has a ring. And like you said, he was one of Aaron Rodgers' best friends, one of his favorite receivers, I'm sure. You know, those two had a very, like, mental connection. They they knew where the other wanted them and expected them to be at all times. So, man, thank you, Jordy Nelson, for all the years you've given to the Packers, and I hope you find success in whatever you plan on pursuing after your career. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get into our top five. Today's top five, we're going to go ahead and get into our top five favorite sports movies. Sports movies, let's do it. How you want to do it? How you want to do? You want to start with? Let's start with five. Let's let's build. Let's build tension. Suspense. Yeah, let's do that. You go, go ahead. ahead with five. So my number, my fifth favorite sports movie of all time. I'm about to start it off with Remember the Titans. Okay. Got Denzel. A classic movie. Um, if you watched it, you know what I'm talking about. Remember the Titans. Okay, for my number five. Now this was a a tough battle. I didn't know who to put at number five. It was between Remember the Titans and this movie I'm about to name. So ultimately, at the end of the day, I decided, <laughs> nah, I'm going to lean this way to He Got Game. Oh. <laughs> Ray Allen, Jesus Shuttlesworth. If you have not seen that movie, shame on you. Right now, get up, go watch it. You need to see that movie. 
Yeah. If you love basketball, you've seen that movie. Got so I got he got game for five. That's a must see. Um, number four, I got white men can't jump. Mm, Another classic basketball. Uh, so we got our first basketball movie, White Men Can't Jump. Um, when I saw it, it was one of those movies that you know made really gives you a laugh, but at the same time it gives you real life at the yeah. same time. So yeah. it's one of those great Spike Lee movies. Um, nothing else to say about that. Shout out Wesley Snipes, shout out Woody Harrelson, shout out Rosie Perez in that white man. They played them roles. (laughs) I got that shirt in the room right now. All right, so number four for me, I know a lot of people are familiar with this movie. I'm going with Coach Carter, Mr. Samuel L. Jackson himself. Why is this movie one of my favorites? It was one of the movies I saw growing up. Rich men, rich what? Rich men. Like, I know y'all remember that. You know, oh my Coach Carter came in there. Yes, man. Yes, sir. All that. I, I love that movie. It's always been one of my favorite movies. I always thought I was cruising corner for the three. You know, I should have threw one more pass, but it's all right. So yeah, man. Coach Carter number four definitely got to put that there. All right, my third favorite move, favorite sports movie is. Shout out to Jamie Foxx. I'm going with Any Given Sunday. Um, give me Willie Beeman in the huddle. I throw up, but I throw that touchdown pass as well. The nerves hit you, but we're going to get through it. So that's my third favorite sports movie. It's another one of those. I feel like if you haven't seen it, you got to go see it. It's going to make you really, you know, look at the game different. And just it's an entertaining movie as well. So go ahead. Check that out. And for my number three movie, a childhood classic. I got to go with Space Jam, Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, the whole crew, the whole spit shine on the gym. Yo, everybody loves Space Jam. I don't need to say nothing else. I'm very eager to see what Space Jam 2 look like with LeBron James. I'm personally kind of... uh, I'm kind of iffy about it because that's such a classic. But I'm all here for things. But definitely the original Space Jam... Number three for me on my list. Fortunately, Space Jam didn't make my list. Is between Ooh. that and remember the Titans. So that is my honorable mention, Space Jam. But go ahead, get into my second favorite sports movie. I'm gonna go with the Philadelphia classic, Rocky. Um, hey, you see Rocky, you know what I'm talking about. It's a strong series, but and you pick any of them. You're gonna love it. You watch, it's gonna give you that motivation you need, especially if you're in the sports. Um, you're gonna love. It. Yeah, shout out Rocky. He didn't make my list, but I'm definitely a huge fan of the Rocky series and even the Creed series. I like Creed, all of that. But um, number two on my this is my favorite list, people. All right, number two, Glory Road. Now, if you have not seen Glory Road, you're making a mistake. It's about the Texas Miners, and they put out the with Don Haskins. Shout out El Paso, Texas, 915, where I used to live for a while when I was in the military. But, yo, <laughs> Glory Road has always been one of my favorite, favorite sports movies. It's got Derek Luke in there playing uh, JoJo White. Yeah. That's yo, a classic movie. I, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. That, yo, Glory Road was a tough movie. It's all about Don Haskins and how he put out the first all-black African-American lineup ever, yep. and they went on to win the championship <laughs> over, huh? They was killing them. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they was killing, yo. Like, they was killing people, man. They went on to win the championship, I believe, over Kentucky, it was. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, over Pat Riley, who was playing mm-hmm. back then. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that movie is dope. <laughs> yeah. You have not seen Glory Road. You missing out, Derek Luke. He's one of my one of my actors that I like a lot. He's in that movie, so yeah, definitely number two is Glory Road for me. Uh, yeah, so all the <laughs> you're bringing up all the movies I, I was I was looking at putting them in there, but my number one movie I had to go with. He got game. He got game. He got game. I had to go with Ray Allen. I had to go with um, Spike Lee. I had to go with I had to go with that movie for my number one favorite movie. It's one of those movies I always thought you know I was gonna be that college recruit. If you know what scenes I'm talking about, you know what scenes I'm talking about. Yeah, right? hey, look, hey, look. I thought that was going to be me. I th- <laughs> <laughs> Ray Allen at the time, you know, he was one of my more favorite players at the time. And any movie with Spike Lee and Denzel, of course. So it just had an all-time great cast and all-time great storyline as well. If you don't know that scene, it's not for kids. <laughs> yes, yes. 18 and up. Leave it at that, but you need to go see that movie. So, my number one sports movie of all time. 
It's going to be a surprise to you because I haven't heard you say it. But I love this movie, everything about it. The emotion, the outcome was good, the the, the scenes of action. Because, you know, ultimately it is a movie. But, you know, the action scenes, if you will, everything was great. Friday Night Lights with Billy Bob Thornton and my favorite actor, Derek Luke, playing Booby Miles, man. You want to win, get Booby a spin. Yo, Friday Night Lights is my favorite <laughs> sports movie of all time. I could watch that any day. Like I like that movie literally almost made me cry. <laughs> Watching yeah. it. Like yeah. when they lost at the end, they started playing that sad ass guitar and stuff. We got that car when Booby started crying because he was hurt, man. He couldn't play no yeah. more. Yo, that like, movie does play yo, that, yo. Friday Night Lights was tough, man. And then after, like, the town was crazy. Like, they just pull up on you and be like, are y'all going to win state? <laughs> like, yeah, hello. How do you too? <laughs> wow. That's a wild yeah, movie. That movie was wild, but I love that movie. Friday Night Lights is my favorite sports movie of all time. I might watch it tonight. Might have to watch it tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great top five. I, I like your top five a lot. I had a lot of those movies, like I said, but they didn't. a lot of those movies didn't make the cut for me, but I'm glad you did put them in there because they're all great movies. Y'all should all give them a check out if you haven't seen them. They're all gonna, you know, like you said, they're all movies. They're not just sports, you know, watching a game. Yeah. You're actually gonna get, you know, a little bit of emotion. You're gonna get some context. You're gonna get some you're gonna get some knowledge from them. So you're gonna get something from them. But like always, I thank y'all for listening to another episode of Here's the Deal. Let's try some another one. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Or if you're listening from YouTube, if you're listening from Apple, Spotify. Podbean, SoundCloud. Am I missing any? No, no, no. I think that's it. Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. I'm working on Anchor right now. For those who have the Anchor app, I'm working on putting our podcast there. Um, we're also found on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, like you said. Um, if you liking what we're doing so far, please, please, please don't hesitate to give us a follow. Did I say SoundCloud? Yes, you did. You said so, SoundCloud. Yeah, make sure y'all subscribe so y'all get those um, notifications of whenever we drop a, a episode. Right, right, right. And please don't forget to mention if you, there's anything you specifically want to hear about, any top five list, top ten list, anything that you want to hear discussed on Here's the Deal, please don't mind reaching out to me or David on any of the social media sites. We'll make sure we get that heard and listened and put out over there because ultimately at the end of the day, it's about you guys and what you want to hear. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Yep, wraps up another one. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Here's the Deal. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Here's the Deal podcast. Tune in for next week's episode. And don't forget to add the Here's the Deal podcast Facebook and Twitter pages.